Oh yes, it's the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by who? Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help you do what? Maximize your use of marketing automation and CRM. CheshireImpact.com. Bam! Now my guest today, my guest, I'm so excited to share with you my guest. I've been working him for probably four plus years now. It's almost like a secret, finding out the secret uh, Yodas of the world who you can learn from, and this is one of them. So let me just tell you about my guest, serial entrepreneur, executive coach, sales wizard. I've learned many a things about sales from him. President, founder, collegiate entrepreneurs, also CE painting, uh, doing it and teaching it and coaching it. He's also the CEO of the Cruise Coaching Group, where he does executive coaching and he's an official EOS implementer. It's an honor to call him my coach, my Yoda and friend, Eric Cruz. How are you, sir? Oh, doing great, Casey. That was a, uh, a, a much appreciated introduction. Well, Casey, you deserve it, man. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. And Casey is. Uh, a longtime <laughs> client and somebody I absolutely love as a person and a business person as well. So it's a great pleasure to be here today. Yeah, well, I appreciate on. that, man. Well, let's just get right into it. The theme for today, because we have those themes. I know we were chatting about this earlier around that CSI, that roadmap, uh, because we were seeing a lot of people just you know buying technology in the marketing space, using it like MailChimp. Sorry, MailChimp, but you're free. So they're just using it like MailChimp, making serious investments in Pardot and Marketo and HubSpot, and then just not using it or just blasting people. So each month this year has been a different step along that journey. And this particular month, we're in this exciting stage where we get to bring in some crazy people and some really experienced people to talk about sales and marketing alignment. And what better way to learn about how we can be better marketers in the marketing side is to bring in people who really know sales and in your case have worked with you know, many CEOs and across many different companies as, you know, as you've been doing your own company, but also coaching other companies on how to do marketing and sales, seeing how, when they're aligned and when they're not aligned. So I would just like to pass you Thor's hammer and uh, love for you to just smash some myths around the alignment. We, what do you, what do you see people believe out there that just totally bogus? And you just want to smash it right away. Yeah, so I got some big ones. I work with 30 firms ranging in size from uh, million dollar firms to, to three or $400 million firms. And the, the myths kind of are, are the same across all the firms. Size is not really a differentiating factor behind um, some of these issues. So uh, when I talk, thought, thought about myths, I thought of really a few categories. And I'll start with myths around um, sales and marketing alignment and start with that one. Um, and there's... First, especially uh, people that have not done a lot of marketing uh, or uh, have done it and they're just not getting the results out of it. They've done it yeah. for a long time. They're not, they're just, where's it going? You know, where's, is it, it's not working for me. Right. What it's I notice common. is it's like, you see it all the time, right? Yeah, I deal with it all the time. I mean, marketing, right. this whole topic we're talking about is probably one of the biggest issues that my firms experience, frankly, is how right. to get this formula right. So where do they get it wrong? Well, in terms of just marketing around myths around sales and marketing alignment, I've really got it into three big buckets. Um, and that number one is that activity and money alone is uh, all I need uh, to grow my company. Like if I spend a lot of money on marketing, 
it's just gonna we're just gonna be fine and I'm gonna it's gonna I'm gonna grow so people spend a fortune I see them do this on all this stuff and they're like it's I should be fine I have a marketing budget I'm spending it so I'm gonna be fine um, and it's so just the, not so they're spending and they're expecting I'm gonna grow I'm spending yeah. money the universe should reward me by giving me the growth I've been seeking Exactly. So what I tell all those clients is I say, well, all I think we've proven here is that you're spending money. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what we've definitely proven you're spending money. There's no question about that. So that's myth number one. It's that's just not going to do it. it. Having a marketing budget is direly crucial, but having it and spending it the right way is what's going to get you the results you need. Got it. The second thing I hear is the big myth is this is, uh, this is going to, this is a tough one for people to swallow uh, does link to marketing, although it may not seem like it, is if, if I deliver great service, I'm just going to keep growing forever. Uh, hmm. And especially for the smaller firms, all of you out there under $20 million, not true. Um, organic growth is, is good, but it's, it's not is what people think. It's not a forever journey. It, it's, it's just not. It's, it's, it's crucial that you deliver a great service. Don't get me wrong. It is absolutely, it's a, but it's table stakes. If you're right. trying to grow to the next level, it is, I hope you're delivering a great service. Cause if not, we're not, there is no getting to the next size. So that's the second myth. And the third one is that marketing efforts. And I know you, you hear this all the time are going to pay off for me in six months and sometimes even 12 months. And it's kind of a myth, you know, the companies I, um, I, I work with, I've worked with them for years now that have, are getting huge results because of marketing that they did 12 to 18 months prior, that they did in a sustained way uh, and did not deviate. Those companies tend to grow and they actually keep ramping and ramping. Why? The investment's starting to pay off. Mm. So those are the three big ones that I have. Um, you know, um, I could also take... I can go into where people are going wrong. I got stuff on that. Well, yeah, no, hold on a second. Let's just dive into each sure. one. So the Absolutely. Idea, first one was, you know, activity and money alone are not doing it. And we mentioned, you know, it's good to have a budget, but that's not enough. So dot, 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 what then? Is it that everything else, you know, so what, what do you see then is the right the thing? Right. So money. Sure thing. Mm -hmm. So that goes into, it, it kind of segues into, into what, where people are going wrong. So, yeah. and what can you do right, right? So, yeah. Yeah. when I totally. see people spending all this money and they're like, I'm spending all this, I'm doing this, here's where they're going wrong, here's how they can fix it. First of all, um, uh, is, I'm gonna do these actually in, in, in order. Yeah. Uh, do you have a overall marketing uh, strategy? First of all, is there some kind of overarching plan okay. uh, that is something you can sustain on a, on a, on a monthly basis? Like, is it being, is it, is there an actual plan that exists? That's number one. Right. And I asked the question, like, oh yeah, we have a marketing plan. We do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. No, we need a, we need a specifically marked detailed plan. Secondly, um, do we have a way to measure that? Right. Uh, to really see if it's getting results. Do we have a testing uh, way to test that? You, you know, um, real quick, you know, I, I can imagine, right? People are thinking, well, I put it in the budget. So that's me planning ahead. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're not, no. it doesn't count. Just because you put it as a line item in your budget doesn't mean you actually planned for it. It just means right. 
you plan to spend the money. Good job. You probably will spend the money if you budget for it, but it doesn't say what you're going to spend it on. Um, but anyways, yeah, exactly. That's great point. Yeah, exactly. Where, where, where is, what's the plan? Like, what's yeah. the, what's the plan? Where is it going? What's the, what's the first? And if you don't have it, if it's your first time you're doing it, yeah. And is this, is this a, is this a test case plan? Okay. Well, then this is the first round of test case that we're going to do. And then yeah. we're going to measure it to see if it works over time. But right. one is plan. So what ends up looking like in, in a smaller firm is they will hire somebody to do marketing and it's either a mid-level person yeah. or, uh, um, you know, a lower level where lower is horrible, but a person who's not a senior level strategist and they're out there doing stuff, but there's no linkage to the yeah. overall plan for the firm. So yeah. they'll do, uh, what I see a lot is, and I see it go both ways. So either hire somebody who is a, um, a, I call them a doer, a marketing manager, you mm -hmm. know, crucial role in a firm, especially for people that are a little less experienced, is a great way for them to get started and a crucial right. role for a firm. People are actually doing this. Yeah. But uh, they don't have an overall strategy for the firm that's linked to a, to making all the pieces work together. So, so a firm, I work with firms that have that issue. So they don't mm. have a strategy, but they have a doer. Then I work mm. with people that have a strategy. They have a senior person mm. who doesn't want to do stuff. So that's the other thing I deal with. So then you got no doing. So, mm. Depending on a person's budget, you know, if, if you can either, you got to have either a, a doer and a senior planner, uh, right. uh, if you have the budget for it, um, or if you have one or the other, and that's all you can afford, just be conscious of the fact that if you just have a doer, you, someone's got to be in charge of making sure there's a, there's a mapped out plan. Right. If you just have a senior person, then you got to have expectations that, that, that uh, someone's going to be doing this work. And I'll right. talk to you that more about what that means in a second. Okay. Um, so that makes sense on the plan. And I think you're getting into the ROI, which is yeah. second one on the CSI. You got to set up ROI tracking. So you're seeing a lot of people have an answer to that most common marketing question. Yeah. Is it working? Yeah. And, you know, um, ultimately the goal of a good marketing plan, ultimately, and marketers, you know, market, a lot of marketers hate this, is it ultimately needs to translate into leads they're going to give us business. Right. Like, right. The end result <laughs> for the whole yeah, company. If, yeah. If you're working with a marketing firm or if your internal employees or you yourself aren't being honest with yourself that this needs to eventually generate leads, we're not starting with the right question in the end, which is we're investing right. X hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in business. What is the end lead game? Now, if it's just awareness, you're just trying to do a marketing awareness thing because you're a larger firm. Okay, it's a little tougher to measure, but mm -hmm. I can somewhat buy that as an, as an investment cost. But most firms that are you know, under the, I'm gonna say at least $100 million range mm -hmm. are looking to invest dollars to get leads. Yeah, they wanna grow. If your, yeah. if your marketing firm is not at least willing to put a stake in the ground at some point, uh, that they're going to get leads. I question what you're spending that money on. Right. Now, I will say it takes time. You can't bring a marketing firm and say, if I don't get leads in six months, I'm not going to work with you anymore. You can't tell your, your internal people that that's not realistic, but ultimately right. that's where this is all going is leads. So the measurement is crucial. Now, obviously we're not going to measure leads. Uh, There's a starting point. It might be hits, website hits, visits, amount of time on pages. You know, that's all that measurement has to happen along the way. But sometimes you can get lost in that and forget, 
Yes, that's here in the funnel, but ultimately, I, where does that translate into leads? How does this measurement here right. equal to here? Right. If the measurement becomes a thing, we can't translate that into real dollars. You know, it is telling that, you know, you're, you're at that level where you're interfacing with the, the C-suites or even just the, the leadership teams of companies. Now, what you just described is something that we've kind of all talked about as marketers. It's like our dirty little secret that, look, guys, we got to, you know, we got to make sure we tie into revenue. We don't just want to get lost in our own goofy metrics that no one understands. Because if you do that, then, then you're losing your, your influence over the, over the group. And you're also probably losing budget at the same time. So if, if you're seeing that too, that means we haven't kept done a good job of geeking out internally. We, we, you know, and it's been a common thing in the past just of, you know, Hey, I delivered, you know, four MQLs. That's my job. Well, no, look, the, the end job is everyone's job. Did we get revenue at the end? Did we have close one deals at the end? Makes a lot of sense. And that's your whole marketing, your lead to revenue thing that you, you know, talk about optimizing. Yeah. And that is that, that is actually point that is the hundred percent the case. Where does that lead then turn into revenue? Mm -hmm. um, so, but to your point, not even before that, people are just talking about, Hey, I delivered 90 impressions and then <laughs> they're not even talking about leads. So yeah, it, it's leads and then leads that turn into revenue for sure. Right, right, right. And I work with marketing firms that do a phenomenal job, frankly, too. Sure. Um, and my internal marketing will do a phenomenal job. And I can tell you what, I can tell you what I see those firms doing uh, almost across the board. It's the same. Um, but in terms of what this, so my point is you gotta have, someone's gotta be in charge of strategy. Someone's yeah. gotta be measuring that strategy. Um, and then now I'll, I'll just say the couple in terms of once again, this is what, what, how to make it right. If you're just spending money, that's not going to work. What's going to make it right. Yeah. The, yeah, two yeah. Other, the, two, the two other things that either I see marketing firms do right or I see internal people do right. And I can give you some examples of this. Yeah, totally. There are two big things I see them get right. Um, and it impresses me when I see it. One, that uh, they have the firm's true uniques or differentiators figured out. And here's how I can know when that's the case. When you have a true unique uh, in your firm. If I go into your company and I sit your sales team down, even your operations team, and I say, tell me three reasons why I should hire you. Let's just take service off and the fact that we're awesome off yeah, the table. Customer service, which everyone can, can claim. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's table stakes. It's not unique, yeah. It'll get you to four or five million bucks maybe. And if you're not there right now as a business owner, keep doing it because that's going to help you get there. But if, if, I can, if I go into your firm, and this is true for a lot of companies, and your people don't, can't tell me specifically why that, that somebody should go with you, mm -hmm. it's going to be tough for your marketing dollars to work. Okay, so the firms that nail it are able to say, we're the only company that does this, X, whatever X is. Or if it's, let's say, let's say it is service. Let's say Eric, there's somebody, somebody listening to this is Eric, that's BS. Service is amazing. Okay, I would buy that service can be one of your uniques if you are measuring it and have data to prove how awesome it is. Mm. For example, uh, FedEx is in this shipping business. Okay, yeah. So service, they say, well, we ship things fast. That's not that unique. No, but it is unique when you can say, 
fast means 24 hours. Now it's measured. You're buying 24 hours. Right. So if a company says, well, service is our thing. Okay. Then what are you measuring about service? What do those numbers look like? And let's splash those on the website. Is it uptime? Is it no errors? Is it ROI? What are you providing your client? Getting it's just saying service. Yeah. Yeah. And then splash on the webpage. Go with us and you're going to have, this is going to get better. You know, our, our, our rate of, of, of uh, growth for you is going to be X or our error rate is X or whatever it is. That's going to, that's going to be unique. You got to make sure that that is measured and something you can splash on there and say it. So marketing firms or that really get this right, say, what is unique about a firm? Or if it's a, if it's a service type thing, then what is the exact promise that you're going to give me? Hmm. Those things differentiate you. Now, ideally, you want to have three of those or less. So if I come into your firm and you, you would be able to say, well, uh, why should you go? With me? Well, because we have this, we have this, and we have that. Now, if you have those things as a company, you have those uniques or even one or two, your company will go, will be able to launch to the next, the next level. Right. Okay, CSI is an example of that for you. I don't know how many other companies like you have CSI. I don't right. think, I don't think anybody does. Sure. Um, so that becomes a thing. Because there's you. only one Casey Cheshire. So, well, that is 100% accurate. Also, <laughs> unique. also you know, that's also unique. So, but marketing it, firms. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, take a step back. Just sort of, what is the unique concept? Because I think this is important. The idea of don't try to boil the ocean. Don't be everything to everyone, which I fall in the trap a long time ago where, you know, and you know, you're doing this when you'll do any project, you know, right. even, even the ones you hate, like I hate web design and we don't do web design at Cheshire with the landing pages, but we don't do web design. It's a whole nother beast. But it, you know, it, in the earlier days, we might've taken those on just cause you thought, Hey, it's work. Right. But that's out of your wheelhouse. And then also it, it just, it gets you all mushy no one knows what you really do. You don't really specialize. Is it around specialization? Is it tied to that? Or is there something? Yeah, that's that a great question. Yeah, you know, this unique. So your uniques can be multiple things. Okay. It can be. So first I'll step back. And so to picture what it looks like when you have them, if your sales team right now is going in or you're telling your marketing department, anything like we're awesome at this, we're awesome at this, we're awesome at this. Those aren't uniques. Okay, so your, your web page or your lane, or whatever you're going to have, landing page or whatever, are going to be very vanilla. They right. may look incredible, by the way. So people, some people show on their website, like, this, doesn't this look incredible? Yeah, it looks incredible, but I'm not, I didn't come to your site to have an incredible looking site. I can't right. figure out if I should buy you or not. Right. So a unique is something that pops out that, it's, that says uh, that, you're, that we're going to buy you for X reason, okay? Right. So here's what some uniques tend to look like. Okay, so uh, I work at a firm that is in loss prevention, okay? Okay. Um, uh, gro- heavily growing firm. They're the only <laughs> firm in their class. Do they tackle the shoplifters? Is that the kind? They mace them in the face? You're, you're, you're in the right ballpark. Okay. okay so <laughs> they, they do uh, loss prevention. They do secret shopping. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, to our knowledge, cool. uh, they're the only firm that does that uh, at any substantial level. Uh, they're the only, so if you want to get um, your, your services protected, they're the only ones that do those things, as far as we know. Wait, wait. Do um, they do secret shopping and loss prevention? Because they do be, both. So they try to steal shit yeah. <laughs> from you on purpose? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. They, not at the same time. They're separate. Oh, okay. Activities. Okay. Yeah, I was like, that would be a cool business. <laughs> yeah. 
Now they're separate activities. So that's okay. an example of, of a unique. Um, a unique can be, uh, I work with another firm that does advertising, uh, and you actually know these guys, that they, there is, once again, as far as we know, they help you leverage your, your advertising spend on Facebook. Yeah. They used to work with multiple companies. Um, mm -hmm. They are now the only company that we know who just specializes in that market. Um, what is the upside of that? They're becoming known as the company who specializes yeah. in Facebook advertising. That's cool. That's the thing. Cheshire is likely at some point, as you guys continue to ratchet up your own marketing, going to become known as uh, CSI, uh, the yeah. CSI company. Now, yours is interesting. Um, I'll give you some other examples, companies I work with. Um, I have a company that's become known as the cleaning company for, corp for uh, large, retail corp large retail stores. Huh. Um, and that's the service business. And people think, well, that's not, that's not that unique. Well, it is as you grow and you become known as the cleaning company who does just cleaning, um, mainly floors in that company's case, you are the company to choose for that. Right. So that's an example of, of, of something that's unique. What is the one thing that you do that nobody else either has or that you can say that nobody else is proven is doing it as well as you are? Another example is, is not necessarily as, as black and white as that is Cheshire, um, you and I think you're even working on this or considering it. Uh, you take CSI, but people may not remember CSI, but if, they, if, if the, the crime tape, so let's say the yeah. crime tape thing sticks. I have companies that do this. So the crime tape now becomes the, the unique. So you think Cheshire, what do you think? Crime tape. Oh, interesting. Now you, might think, you might think, well, what does that have to do with marketing? It's not, it's not relevant what it has to do with marketing. It's relevant that you remember crime tape. Oh, yeah. It, you know, we can just share it. So one of our, our recent board meetings where you were at, I uh, went crazy on the theme CSI. And I thought, let's, let's get the board in the right mindset. And so I, I bought a thousand yards of crime scene tape and I strung it up all over the conference room. And all the people passing by thought someone had died in there. We put a little outline of a body on the floor. So yeah, yeah. right. So your point, it could be crime scene or something in someone's mind. So then they see it and they go, okay, that's that thing. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's unique. Uh, FedEx and UPS are the, you know, most are out of the, out of the reach conceptually for a lot of people that are probably listening to this because they're so big, but FedEx owns on time. Like, yeah, that's what they own. What does UPS own? Well, they can't own on time because FedEx has already got it. So what does UPS own? Worldwide? They own the color brown. Oh. So when people think of UPS, they think of brown. So is it differentiator? No, because they can't differentiate. In fact, I'm not sure they're any better than FedEx. They do a couple of neat little cool things. They do right. some email. They might they just be the same. But we know what there's this different. One of them's brown and one of them's on time. So we, we take a mistake on something. Yeah. Right? You know, the black dog, I think you were just in the vineyard. Black yeah. Dog. Nobody knows what the black dog is. Black dogs are bakery. But no, it's not. The black dog is actually now a black dog symbol because the black yeah. dog became so well-known. <clears throat> the bakery, I'm not sure how the bakery does. Oh, it's a great bakery. I, think, I thought it was a restaurant now. Yeah, so nobody even that's knows what it is. Yeah. Everyone wears the shirt. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing. Geico has now become a lizard. Um, McDonald's is golden arches. So you have to have something. Yeah. The point is that nobody's saying we make, like McDonald's is not saying we make great burgers. I don't think they even make great <laughs> they have yellow arches and it's yeah. the same colors uh and it's the same food every single time sure um so the point is that 
all these companies that you see around you, and I guarantee if any of the listeners think of the companies you interact with, um, it's not just because they're phenomenal. It's because they're phenomenal and either they grew so large that they became number one in their space, in which case they now own that as a unique, uh, or they are, they did some stuff along the way that, that differentiated them. So you can differentiate yourself through uh, items you become associated with, through offerings that nobody else has, uh, or by being phenomenal, but measurably phenomenal at something. Like we are proven the number one in our space at X. Right. Proven data. You can go with somebody else if you want to, but they're two or below. Our customer service is X, measured to be X. You can go with somebody else if you want. That's our data. You will not be getting the same thing. Right. You so know, the marketing plan has got to be around that somehow. Right. It makes sense. You have to be around that. And as you're, as you're talking, I remembered a stat that I'd heard at that Storynomics conference I went to about brands and, you know, they go crazy with advertisements and there's some stat that, and I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to get it slightly correct, but it's around 95%. Um, most people, about 95% of people would be okay if, you know, 95% of the brands of the world just all disappeared this year. Yeah. Like, no one would care. A few exceptions, maybe the Apples, the FedExes, the hopefully the McDonald's, right? The ones you know, because they're very unique, they're authentic. Uh, but it, but the majority of other people aren't doing this step and they're just trying to say we're the best at this or, you know, we, we hire X, you know, and it's just not unique. And I, and you're right. It's not easy. And we maybe won't solve everyone's problems for this, but if we could stir up, we'd be the catalyst at least right now for people to think about what they're saying. If it's not really unique, call a spade a spade, you know, it's, stop putting that on your front page as like the thing that you're unique about. If you're really not, you're just wasting that real estate. You've, that's, you've nailed it. You should yeah. be on this side of the, of, the, of the camera, right? You nailed it. Um, it's, uh, I was going to say age before beauty, but I forget what that <laughs> means. I don't know if that makes yeah. me that's age. old or does that make me yeah. beautiful? I don't know. <laughs> oh, so, so the unique is the third one is what's the fourth one on the doing right? Cause we've got so, over oh, the, one. the plan ROI unique, and then so just finishing on the unique. So once oh, you yeah. get this thing, okay, get this thing. Um, you know, Cheshire's working on this. Is this, by the way, if you're hearing this and thinking, Oh yeah, that doesn't sound easy. Well, <laughs> it's not easy. Okay. Like right. if Cheshire gets, gets to the point where it became crime tape is their thing. You know, I've been with Cheshire for, that's a three year journey. Like sure. two years, which Casey was sitting under a tree trying to figure out what the vision is. Like this is work for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Sure. So, and, and commodities all the time tell me, they're like, well, we're a commodity and we're just awesome. We don't have a unique. And I said, tell them, I'll still help you. Like we can still get better. We can still grow. Right. But I have to build it. If I have to use a sales team and the sales team's message is that we're the best, I can't sell as much. But if I take a sales team, I can get that sales team to have a few nuggets then yeah. I can take an average salesperson and make them great because now the nuggets speak for themselves and the salesperson right. the average. Okay. Right. Right. So ending on this unique thing, they've got to be, they got to be simple and they've got to be clear and your marketing has got to show it. And frankly, not a whole lot more like, so the best marketing I see is not the prettiest. It's the clearest. Mm. It is. This is our message. That's who we are unapologetically we're actually nothing else 
Like if you want to hire the firm I mentioned, I won't mention the name, but if you want to hire that firm, you're not getting all these other, all these other things. It's not going to happen. You're going to get that. But if you want the firm that gets that cold, you hire them. Okay. So that's the unique and that helps you grow your business. Once you've gotten operationally strong, by the way, if you're hearing all this, you're not operationally strong. You got to fix that first because marketing is just going to dump leads into your system. That's true. That's true. Right. So now the last thing, um, is and this uh this is hands down what i've seen people that are good with marketing do yep. uh, uh better this is black and white okay so the firms excuse me the firms that i see that are growing and using marketing yeah have committed to a longer term play which i already said earlier so i'm not trying to be repetitive here so what does that longer term play look like well, what that longer term play looks like is rhythmic sustained messaging. Now, the, the firms that I interact with that get this uh, the best um, are doing it through blogs uh, or um, email pieces that are useful. First of all, useful. They are concise and they go at the same time every week and they're always the same format that I can digest right and they're short so there are a few examples of this um, I got to call out Bob Glazer by name because I think he does phenomenal uh, I was actually Friday thinking forward. of that yeah he does phenomenal with the Friday forward and it's funny when Bobby gets a little bit long on the Friday forward by the way the Friday forward is now in magazine it's all over the place people love the Friday forward well why do you love the Friday forward and if you don't know what the Friday forward is then Google so why do people like the Friday Four? They like it because first of all, it comes out every Friday. People love consistency. Mm. So it comes out every Friday. If Bobby had called it something other than the Friday Forward, he actually might not be honest with himself, but he now has to be having mm -hmm. it out every Friday morning, which he does. It's my first email every Friday. So now that's structure in my life. Mm. But Bob is giving me structure, which I like. Second, he has a format for delivering this, which is generally about the same word count. Now, the funny thing is when it gets a little wordy, I tend to stop. It's just how right. my brain is. Me now, too. It's a phenomenal story. I might be okay with it. Right. But for the most part, I'm done. I'm like, Bobby, I love this, but this <laughs> your stuff, and I got to click to the next thing. Right. right. So, so here's, the fun, here's the thing. So Bob Glazer is now building this brand for him out of his name, which yeah. links to, it's not what he does for a living. What does he do? He does acceleration partners. So, He's working on the same kind of stuff for acceleration partners, but the point is that's consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, I can think of many other examples in this one um, that nail it. Uh, my coach, actually, my business coach does a great job with it. I believe EOS, uh, the system that I use, does a great job with it. Um, it's concise, it's simple, and it's consistent. Now, that's the same whether you're, whether you're doing, uh, if you're doing trade shows, I recommend you go to the same trade show every single time, mm. uh, meet the same people there every year, get some consistency. You're building structure, stability, brand. You're showing your staying power. You're showing your disciplined ability to stay disciplined. And you're, you're hitting the mind of the consumer many, many times in a rhythmic fashion. Right. And what happens is you just become part of that, of that person's, the person's fiber. Right. So that's the best campaigns I see. And, and, and here's the cool thing. 
if you only got a fifty thousand dollar budget out there, or even if you don't even have that, right? You sat in front of your computer, and I have a client that does this. Um, you know who's doing this right now is um, a friend of ours, uh, Rolnick, Justin Rolnick, a great oh, yeah? kitchen management. Who's free kitchen management? You can look them up. We provide catering services for fraternities and sororities. They are now getting into this. They are a, a minimal budget for this kind of thing. Mm. Um, still a growing firm, but making great strides towards growing. But they they do a lot of it themselves with mm. resources that are uh, less than six figure resources. And they their their thing though is they've committed to consistency. So right. um, it's it's consistent messaging, and that's where I see the marketing firms that nail it. Uh, not sexy. Right. Um, sexy is, is often expensive. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you know, like UPS, there's nothing sexy about that. There's nothing sexy about FedEx either. If you go to their sites, there's nothing sexy about those sites, but they have concise, clear messaging. Um, and it's, you know, it's all rhythmic stuff. So that's what I see works for firms that is very accessible at any budget point. Um, huh. I love the, love the consistency. I, um, in the quote I had from you earlier, um, the best marketing is not the prettiest, it, it's the clearest. You know, So I think sometimes marketing, we're guilty of this. We can get distracted by design and, and the look and feel, and that's cool. But imagine if Apple sold Dells. You know? There's a, that doesn't work. So they can have really cool boxes. You open it up, it's just smooth, it's designed well, and then there's like a piece of crap in there. And it doesn't, that, but you know, what matters is that the whole brand is reflected. So I, I love that. It's the clearest, very simple. Uh, the fact that sexy can get expensive. Uh, so true. And you know, it, as much as we might want to think that, you know, marketing can be like, go to the gym, you know, for 13 hours today and now I'm in shape. It's more of that you know, go every day, but just do it for an hour, you know, um, as a, mm -hmm. it's, it's that long haul, but I don't think, I don't, not everyone wants that delayed gratification, right? We want that thing now, but you spend that, you can go through that budget, like, you know, like no problem. And then you won't have uh, any of the results that you've been talking about. Exactly. Like, so, yeah. yeah. And it's funny. It's like everything else in life. You want to run a great business. You got to be disciplined and focus on execution. And that's not, doesn't cost money. It just, it costs time and, and discipline. Um, and I find marketing to be the same. It, yeah. If, if, if the, the people I love who do marketing are actually very grassrootish, they are not the expensive firms. I do work with some firms that are, you know, um, I won't mention them by name, but who they are great firms there, but they're not the, it's funny. They are actually not the splashiest marketing firm. Uh, they tend to be a little humble, actually, the firms I work with. Um, they're humble firms and they tend to just focus on, look, we're going to just run a campaign for you and it's going to work forever. Like we're going to do it forever because yeah. our goal is to have you in front of the consumer on a consistent basis yeah. with your message in a way that they can digest it. Yeah. Um, and if you have, and if you can have one or two things about your firm that nobody else has, we're going to key in on those things and recommend that you stay, keep your company focused on those uniques. Right. So for coaching, like, for me, it's been a big deal. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it sounds like those uniques need to be tied into something that they're going to actually appreciate as a buyer, you know? So I have a quote on that I can give you in a minute, yeah. but um, it's interesting as a, as, as a coach, you know, I've, I've got a lot of clients now and um, 
you know, I try and do as good a job as I possibly can coaching, but it's, it's interesting. And this is, a, this is an accidental way of discovering a unique, which I, can, I would really strongly urge any of you to think about as you, as you look at your company. But yeah. what has accidentally happened to me is I found that the people that hire me, they have a strong value in knowing that I really am an entrepreneur first. Like, that's what I am. I love coaching. I love it. Uh, and I love it. But I run my companies, you know, and I have the same problems in my companies as people that I work with. It didn't start that way. That wasn't my goal. But it's become a unique thing. And I keep my ear to the ground because I'm always thinking, what's happening to help me grow my firm? Why is it grown relatively quickly? That's one of the reasons. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't think I have any uniques. Uh, yeah, you do. There's something about you that's unique. Right. Um, uh, and if there's not, I recommend you trying to find something because you're going to struggle with growing your business. There's a reason people picked you. You may just not know it yet. So maybe you've got to start. That's looking correct. Around. And you know, I've even heard people you know, ask people why they picked you. And you may, so, they may tell you you're unique. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're, you know, you know depending on what audience that you're in, but if you're running a company and you're listening to this or you're in part of a marketing part of a company, um, then, you know, one of the first things that any marketers and the marketers that are listening to this are like, you know, tuned out now because they're like, we're going to do that crap. But we strongly advise you, I strongly advise all my clients uh, to call the people that absolutely love them. Yeah. And, and, and it's not quite as simple as people think. They're like, well, they call them, they say, why do you love us? And so the client will say, because you're great and you're awesome, you listen to me <laughs> and, you know, that's what they say. Like they, you're great. You're great with relationships, and you always get back to us. All that crap, right? It's valuable, right? But I tell my, my companies that are doing this, I say, look, that's you. You 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 give them great thanks for that. You say thank you for that information. But you could get that from other companies. Uh, why specifically do you stay with me or why did you even choose me is another right. question in the first place. I get why you stay. Why did you choose us? What is your perception of us? You know, so you want to kind of dive past because a lot of my clients do this. They do that. They ask their clients and they come back with these answers. And they, they keep the first answer, right? Yeah, that's not it. Like yes, that's, uh, of course, that there are those things. Otherwise, they fire you. But why did they hire you in the first place? Right. What value are you providing? What's the ROI on you? Um, and it's interesting. I have clients like I know for a fact, I know for a fact only work with me because I just want to have somebody to talk to. Like, that's it. Like, I just know it. I talk to them. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know what I have for you right now. I just don't. But I know what they want from me is that. So I can make an assumption that's something different. But in some cases, it's not. So you got to know what value are you truly providing to your clients? Because whatever that is, there might be a unique or a brand promise, if not a unique. There might be some kind of brand promise baked into that. Right. Um, so, you know, that's a suggestion that I, that, um, I would have for sure as an exercise. You know, it, it's really interesting talking about coaching and, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about, about traction, how we got connected, but, you know, you mentioned that, you know, people really value 
the fact that you do this as well. 100%. <laughs> That's exactly why I chose you over this other guy. That, and for people listening, we got on the phone way back in the day, four years ago, and you asked me a whole bunch of questions I didn't know. And I realized, hmm, something to think about here. I should probably know those questions, know the answer, or at least be on my way to figuring out those questions. Simple, you know, health-related questions around, you know, does, what's your business this, this number, that number. And I knew none of it. And so I We well, know what that is, Casey. Um, is to your credit. Yeah. All that is, and of course, I'm working my own system. But that's, sure. that's just your CSI. So your CSI is basically <laughs> your way of doing that for your clients. It's your uh, way of saying, yeah. you know, what's your health? What is your health index? Yours, frankly, I just argue is actually even more scalable because you can take these 10 simple questions. Now I work with a set of questions as well, but, um, you know, so. It, you CSI'd it, me. It works. It's all back into the, it's all goes back into uniques. Um, so, you know, so, those, yeah. So I'd love to just dive into just coaching for a second because it's sure. kind of a trend that's gotten a little more popular. You've talked to some folks that are a little older or, you know, grandparents or whatnot. Their, their minds are blown by the idea that everyone has a coach these days, uh, the term, and it's even beyond sort of the Tony Robbins coaching type of uh, lifestyle coach or, or life coach, but it's stretched into business now and health and all sorts of aspects and I know you yourself have a coach you shared with me and, sure. and, and you're my coach. And so, you know, what, what are you seeing from this thing? Because I found it just to be immeasurably helpful, um, you know, talking to someone, sure, but then all the things you can learn from someone who's been a little bit further down that path, you know? Yeah. So your question is uh, value of coaching and what's coaching or what, what's, your, what's your question? I'm make sure I get it right. That's a good question. What is my question? Um, what is my question? You, know, you have a coach. Why do you have a coach? You know, are, are, do you, and do you see a trend of coaching increasing uh, amongst right. business, so, professional? So whether you um, – so that goes to another point, actually. I'll, I'll take that one step backwards and, and, and get to the other entrepreneurs. I work with some entrepreneurs, by the way, who are phenomenal. They're way better being a business owner than me, frankly, way better. I'm, I'm lucky to be able to work with them. Um, so where, where do, it's, it's interesting. Coaches certainly help companies grow. There's no question and structures and systems help. But I think that honestly, even more importantly than co coaching is that you start out as a CEO or whatever you're doing, whether it's with your marketing, providing marketing services, whatever it is, with the attitude of, I know what I know, I don't know more, what can I be doing to constantly self-improve? Mm. And I think whether you have a coach or whether you're just reading books, the entrepreneurs and the marketing teams and, and the leadership people I work with that are the best are the ones that are confident enough in themselves to say, I do X, Y, and Z really well, but that's where I am here. What's going to get me to here or here or here? So you got to start out in, in whatever level you are, whether it's whichever category you're in, sure. with the mentality of humility. You have uh -huh. to have humility. Um, let's see, I mean, just wrote his book, um, Ideal Team Player, and, I, and um, I believe, my memory fails me, I think his ideal team player, th th three values of the ideal team player were, you got to be hungry, uh, humble, I think it's humble, hungry, and smart, I believe. Mm. 
listeners can second guess me here on Facebook if you got that down. I think it's <laughs> humble, hungry, and smart. Last year. Um, cool. And, I, and humility, the, the humble thing, the reason that he said that the, the team player has to be humble, hungry, and smart is for humble, it's that kind of team player, that kind of person that's humble is saying, where, where do I need to get better? That person is constantly improving. Uh, and whether you're coached or not, just that mentality of the people I work with that are extremely successful, mm. they're approaching each day like, my knowledge base is here. I'm now talking to another person. Can they help me get to here? They could be talking to a person that's, that's doing their gardening and a super successful person will try and learn something from that person. Mm -hmm. So if you start with that mentality of I'm a person who's here, how do I get to here? You can do it through books. You can do it through webinars. You can do it through whatever you want. Uh, coaching is part of that. Um, that is just a part of it. So um, I, first of all, encourage people to have the mentality of being humble because uh, it's going to help you grow. Um, and then uh, having an outside coach, whether, you know, I use them for triathlons, I use them for running, yeah. um, uh, business. Uh, I'm pretty much coached on every single thing I do. Yeah. And then honestly, and I tell my clients this, and they probably think it's a bunch of marketing BS, but I learn uh, a tremendous amount from my clients, a tremendous, mm. a ridiculous amount. So um, I certainly advocate uh, having a coach, uh, if nothing else as an outside ear, somebody who's been there and done that, uh, or in my case, somebody who's doing it, I strongly encourage you having a coach um, in business. And, 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 and if you're listening to this and you're a marketer, then have a mentor who's willing yeah. to talk to you and help you to get to the next, the next level. But, um, you know, I think that's extremely important. You know, it gets you out of your head. It gets you out of, you know, some of your own patterns. Maybe you might be locked in. You don't even know. Might have a blind side you can't see. And mm -hmm. just somebody on the outside that, and ideally, it's someone like yourself who can just tell you how it is, as unpleasant as that can be sometimes. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Well, that's where the real growth can come from, right? You learn more right. from when things aren't working than when things are working. Like, I don't know. This is working. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but when it's not working, you're like, I know why. We got to fix this. It's very tough to do it when you're living it. Yeah, you know, it's very tough. I'll look at situations and, um, you know, until I step back, I'm like, how do you solve this? And I step back and, and I look at it and say, that was the simplest thing ever. I just couldn't see it while I was in it. So yeah. coaches help you pull out of that and, and stare at it. You know, I, I, I've always thought of like, that's self-improvement, but I'd never connected it to humility. You know, maybe because some people just point at me and they go, you're not humble, but I guess I actually am because I, I too, I love um, hiring uh, coaches or, you know, when I, I know you've done, I will, you know, we'll talk about this. You've done Ironmans and big things, but I did like a little try yeah. two years ago and I hired a try coach. Cause I was like, I don't know any of this. Help me out. You know, and they're teaching yeah. all the stuff that all the things, you know, same thing with business and think same thing with, uh, I even have you know, someone I work with shout out to Lauren. We do some accountability, some, uh, some fitness and, you know, and nutrition and stuff like that. Anything where you think you can get, where you're not there and you want to get to the next level. But that's interesting that it's actually, that's good old humility just hanging out there, just reminding you that it's humility. It's there and you'd love to get it, but you want to get there and you're willing to say, I don't know the answer and have somebody else help you out with it. Yeah. So I tell cool. people I work with executives and once again, leadership team members, uh, you, you want to be as humble as you possibly can be. And because if you're not, 
then whatever you're offering the world right now is the best you're ever going to offer it. Like right. lack of humility means lack of involvement. And, you know, you're basically saying this is where I am and it's pretty good as opposed right. to this is where I am and where I'm going to be is going to be even better. Right. So that comes from humility. Interesting. Um, that's the connection. And I work with some, the, the top CEOs I work with and, you know, CEOs, CEOs that have some that have sold their businesses for, you know, significant uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. You, you would think that, uh, um, you know, that they don't have 10 cents. Like their level of humility is just, mm. um, it's, 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 it's humbling to even be around these people. Those you are know, the ones that get it. It's a good point because I think the flashy ones get all the media attention, but you're right. The ones that I know, they're the, they're the chillest guys and gals. They're, they're not, you know, they're having a little fun here and there, but they're not, you know, they're not the guy from the Norton antivirus, right? They're not just <laughs> mansions with uh, red, red robes on and, you know, diamonds out of their fountains. Um, so, so I'm a huge believer in coaching, obviously on M1. Um, yeah. Uh, and I use them, but um, I honestly believe if you want to trace back first, start with humble, start with humility, be a humble person, use a coach as a resource. Uh, if you can, um, coaches also help hold you accountable to things. Yeah. That's why I use coaches. Frankly, I can get very distracted. Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's my feel on, on, on that. And, um, I, well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because, um, I think I had some issues with that last year, but I found that the podcast doing this podcast has actually been really helpful because I would go to some trade shows or some conferences and sometimes you always get the, the same salesy presentations. So I was very cynical might be the word about some of these presentations and what could I possibly learn? Because they tend to recycle the same ones. If you go to the same events, to your point, be consistent, go to the same events, same speeches, um, yep. but in nestled in there might be some good ones, but my mind was kind of shut off to that. But when I've had people on here, I mean, obviously I'm learning from you all the time uh, and everyone else too, since January, different people on the podcast, blowing my mind like not even close uh, different people we've had on there that just you know just throw out a bunch of stats or different ways of doing things or way of thinking about things and you know it's been awesome and it just helped me reset and realize there's more to learn but i'm actually starting to i'm starting to enjoy learning again because yeah. i sort of got over that humble bump and was like oh no there is more to learn and it's actually fun to learn and about marketing, about Egypt, you know, you name it, all the different things you want to learn about. It can actually be really fun to do that. Yeah. One of the EOS um, entrepreneurial operating system that I work with, one of the, one of the, the values, the core values of EOS is, uh, is humbly confident. Um, Interesting. And, uh, you know, it's a great value to be humbly confident. Um, and I believe in it because I believe that in my, for my part, I try and work the world walk the world and be as confident as I can be because I want people to also see the best version of me and get the best version of what I think I'm, I excel at. I want to make sure that I own what I excel at right? and say I excel right. at those things. You know, I, I'm good at those things. Uh, the confident, uh, the humble part though um, is uh, I excel at those things, uh, but could always excel more first of all. Right. And I'm always willing to be learning. Um, and then also, uh, I frankly, uh, don't excel at most everything else. So, um, it's, it's helped me a lot to, to think about, to be humbly confident and, and, and live that life, live life that way. It's been very rewarding. Right. Now you mentioned EOS. 
the humbly confident. Why well, it's a cool phrase, by the way, humbly confident, because it's a it's it's both, but in like a healthy proportion. You know, use moderation in all things, including moderation. A wise man once said. So, yeah. um, EOS, you know, it, it it's kind of a do I even want to go there? Sure, why not? It's hardcore marketing. Um, traction. I, I read this book. And this is how I actually met you. Um, a, a good, good dude, uh, you know, running a company said, Hey, read this book traction by Gino Wickman. There's two books called traction just to confuse everybody, but it's by Gino and traction. And it kind of just blew my mind. Speaking of learning from people, it was an entrepreneurial operating system. It was tools and processes and systems, all the things you would just make up as you're creating a company or growing a team just sort of make these things up. Or if you went to a gigantic company, they maybe have these already, or maybe they're just winging it as well. It helps you establish all these things from the get go. And before I was working with that tool, I mean, if you were to ask me, what are your goals for the company and things like that? I, like, I know I need to have some, but I don't have any. So I bumped into traction and then realized, you know, I got kind of back to the humility point. Wow, this is amazing. This is such a treasure. And then how do you go from having zero goals for a company or a team to now projecting a 10 year goal? Like what the, how does it even happen? I don't even know. So I, I asked Paul who originally showed me and I said, are you working? Like how, how are you doing this? And you know, I guess maybe that's the humble, like Paul, what's going on? And he, you know, he referred me to you and that's how we got connected, but maybe just share you know, what's your, been your experience with EOS and, and you know, again, I, you know, it's the system, it's a book, but now they've got coaches and you and, and we chose sure. you because you had that background. But, yeah, break it down. Um, so EOS uh, stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It is based sure. on a book by Gino Wickman. <clears throat> and it is a, it's, it's a set of really simple practices and, and tools that uh, are used to really accomplish three big things. One, get your, the vision of your firm, starting with your leadership team, all on the same page. Like, what is the vision of the firm? And let's get the leadership team on the same page first. Uh, the traction component that you talked about, the second thing it's trying to accomplish is what are the tools we need to get there? And we focus a lot on, on these tools, accountability tools, um, just, you know, there's 30, 30, 40 tools that we use to help people achieve that vision. And then the last part of, uh, the last part of our equation is healthy. How do we get companies to, to be healthy, to talk openly and honestly uh, at all times? Um, no politics, no uh, end runs, which is going around somebody, which right. is so tempting to do. Um, and the EOS is, is just a, it's a system that you install into your business, much like um, the iOS for uh, your Apple, if you have an Apple, yep. or Windows for your, uh, if you have a uh, Dell or some other kind of computer. EOS is an operating system that I help companies install into their business right. to get their leadership and then ultimately the whole company on the same page and hitting their, their goals. Um, and it's, it's, it's now we work with thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs. I work with 30 firms who are on the EOS system who are doing quarterly meetings and leadership teams are all synced up. Um, and it's, it's the simplest system ever to use. Mm -hmm. Um, I use it in both of my companies that I own and it's, it's not, the cool thing about it is there's nothing in it. That's, uh, that's too cool lady or unique or flavor of the month ish. In fact, the EOS is a combination of tools that 
most people listening to this, whether you're a leadership team person, a marketing person, or you're an entrepreneur, most people already know a lot of this stuff. Yeah. What EOS does, it just smashes it all together and says, great, you know all this stuff. Now it's all in one place. All the business things you learned are in one place. And then here's the, here's the discipline approach we're going to use to keeping these in your company um, uh, on, a, on a consistent basis. And it sticks. EOS is like riding a bike. You, you learn EOS and companies tend to use it uh, forever. You know, yeah. it's my, my, my experience is only five years now, but companies don't, don't stop using it. Um, yeah. And, we're, we're kind of right in the groove of four years or so, blurs. I don't even know, but I think it's four years. You, yeah. We wouldn't you, be, you know the language and you, you know, you don't even need me, frankly, to, to do a lot of the stuff that right. you're doing. Right. But um, yeah, but that's what EOS is. And it's um, for coaches. And for me, it's given me a language to be able to use that just not, air crews spitting a bunch of crap. It's, yeah. it's a system that allows me to say, let's use our tools to figure out what's going on right now. Sure. And, you know, being a, especially if you're a CEO, like you are, uh, like I am, um, you never can, you just never know if you're doing it right or not. You just, mm. you're constantly second guessing yourself. So I gravitated towards EOS because at least it's putting the stake in the ground operationally. At least it's saying, this is what you should be doing operationally to run your business. Is the business itself good? That's a different story. But at least we can be running well um, and marching forward in the same page. <clears throat> so that's what EOS does. And I think there are now, I think there's like, I don't know my numbers in front of me, like 220 of us that are certified implementers across the world, uh, we're a worldwide business. Um, and cool. uh, yeah, it's getting, uh, it's, it's, it's rapidly growing. Um, well, as it should, experience. yeah, as it should. And you know what I would say is you mentioned the Kool-Aid of the month and what's cool is not only is it not the Kool-Aid of the month because it's, I don't, it's not really that sexy. It, it's more of a stabilizing thing. So it's almost like anti Kool-Aid of the month. It's like anti, Correct. you know, you know, spritz and craziness and it can really tame a company, whether it's the, you know, the leader of the company or leader of a team leader of whatever organization from just shifting and changing and blowing with the wind. And, you know, you know, if you're on a team and you've ever felt that sort of ricochet where you're at the end of the, the rope and now you change directions, you're like holding up for dear life. It's kind of like being on the back of a sea do No one likes that job, right? Everyone likes being in the driving the thing, but no one likes riding on that thing. It's just, it's a measure in patience and anxiety. But, uh, but you know, you can't prevent that, you know, you're not on that back of that thing trying to hold on for dear life. It, um, one of the things it has in there is it's a quarterly process. And, you know, this is something that can be huge for marketing because, uh, you know, to your point earlier, bad marketing is like shooting from the hip, no plan. Maybe it's in the budget and that's it. Don't do that. Some of the things you might even pick up from traction. I mean, it's just a go, it's a book, you go get it, but it's, it's tools and, and systems and the idea of thinking in a quarterly mindset that can really not just transform business, but even a team from like, okay, let's change everything every week. And then no one can really get a, a sense. You can't really get traction on something. It, it kind of settles everyone down into a good, good tempo. Yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a great system. Um, and although I use it all the time and I'm, I'm, I'm an implementer and uh, you know, I'm, I'm the large part of my world um and i tell people some people like hear this stuff and they're like oh it's so cool lady 
Uh, I don't, I'm not a big Kool-Aid drinker. I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I throw up on Kool-Aid. I don't drink it very well. Too much too sugar rebellious. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm too rebellious. So <laughs> the reason I, I like it is because it's really not that. It is right. really just uh, simple stuff that keeps your business moving forward. It's not rocket science, um, uh, and it's powerful, and, it, and it's simplicity. Yeah. Um, and well, you know, it, yeah. the success of EOS is its simplicity. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it helps you to stabilize your business so that you can then actually focus on strategy. So yeah. part of EOS is strategy, but I, in my opinion, EOS is a fantastic job of stabilizing your company so that you can then play with it uh, as a company and, and, and figure out what the right strategy is. Um, and I think and I have time, a great, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Story. I, I have a, well, story time with Eric Cruz. So I, I'll say that, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that I work on, especially with my clients that are long-term clients, which is a big chunk of my people, um, I'm working a lot these days. They've, a lot of my companies have gotten operationally strong. Like they can set priorities, they can hit rocks. And um, so we call the priorities. And they're there. So when a company gets there, you start asking yourself, how do we then continue to grow? Yeah. We're operationally strong, we're delivering service. So then the next thing you gotta make sure, it's, it's kind of part of the journey, but it's, it's um, I'd say it's kind of on the side of the journey. Sure. You have to also make sure you have a phenomenal strategy. Yeah. Uh, to go along with your business. And I know you and I have talked a lot about that. So I went to, um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the entrepreneurs organization like you are. Yeah. And I went to, I go to an annual conference every year with four days of a bunch of business leaders from all over the world. Uh, I've grown to respect and we have some extremely uh, strong speakers. And one of our speakers this year came in and uh, really defined what, strategy um was and he gave a great yeah he gave a strong answer to what in his definition what he thought strategy was and if i can find it he he said strategy and you and i haven't even gone i don't think you and i have even gone over this yet Mm. but fresh he said an effective strategy so this is for any of you out there this is for marketers who are uh um, uh, who are looking to help their companies solidify a strategy. Sure. It's for people who have companies that are wondering what strategy even means. And I tell you, people confuse strategy and operations. So this quote that he gave us, which I thought really summed it up well, and he said, an effective strategy, it's a math equation. So an effective strategy equals valued differentiation multiplied by, so visualize a times symbol there, disciplined execution. So an effective strategy equals value differentiation multiplied by disciplined execution. So in order to have valued differentiation, he, has, he says there are four things you have to have in, to have this. Okay, and I'll tell you what these things are. And these might fit into your marketing strategy mm. that you could put into your pieces. Interesting. One, one the first thing is, uh, I should say that value differentiation means that valued means that your clients are buying it 
without you even trying to sell it. They're like, they're mm -hmm. searching you out. Uh, they're like, I need that iPhone or I need X kind of car. Like just yeah. who sells it? I just want to go there. So right. valued is like it's valued. EOS has become very valued in the marketplace. Um, they have ways to distribute it and they have marketing, but really they're valued. Differentiation is it's you own it usually primarily on your own. Like you, somebody else doesn't own it. So sure. he said that in order to have value differentiation, you have to have four things. And this really struck me. One, your value, your value differentiation has to be unique and compelling. So when you're sitting there thinking about your uniques, if you're, if this has got your brain going around what your company's uniques, one, it has to be unique and compelling. Two, this is a big one. A lot of service firms forget this. It has to be highly valued by your clients. So unique and compelling, highly valued by your clients. It has to be difficult to copy. And you have to be able to execute on it superbly. So when you start to think about your, your strategy in the marketplace, put that litmus test against it. Right. We have a, a unique or value differentiator that is unique and compelling. People actually say interesting. Because mm. they don't say interesting, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, that they highly value it. Like you can charge $1,000 for it, and they may even buy it for $2,000 still. Right. It's highly valued. Difficult to copy. Otherwise, somebody else is going to say, I can copy it. If that's the case, by the way, consider selling it if you if you if it's really that good, and that you can also it's not so crazy that you can't execute on it. Yeah, it, I'll come back to CSI. You know, CSI gets its legs, and you do all these CSI conversations. That becomes a similar kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's it's unique and compelling. What is that? It's highly valued, uh, difficult to copy, and you can execute on it superbly. So. That's what strategy is. And if you're sitting there from a marketing standpoint, you want to have your clients say, well, I have a great strategy. I run my business. My strategy is to run a great company. Mm -hmm. That's not a strategy. No. That is the disciplined execution part of it. Right. The second part. Which is going to multiply the strategy. That's what EOS does. EOS can get you to be disciplined execution. Right. But that's not value differentiation. Mm-hmm. And that really so, separates out the execution from what correct. you're doing. If it's not unique, it's not valued, it's not anything, you can execute your ass off and you're not going anywhere. So I think that's correct. Like an underlying theme here. It's not throw that budget in there, do more activities of the wrong activities, then you, it doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that was, that was, that came really powerful to me when I heard that. And, you know, it links to EOS because I, I saw EOS, EOS has a lot of strategy components, so I don't want to, I don't sure. want to make it wrong, but it's, EOS is phenomenal at, dis, at getting you to become disciplined executors. And that's that half of that equation. That other half of the equation, which marketing can tap into, is what is this value differentiation um, in this firm? What is, does it even have one? Interesting. Um, it's interesting. This was a room of high-level CEOs running companies, probably averaging um, – uh, you know, probably 40 to $50 million at least. Uh, and uh, he asked at the end of the day, he said, I'd like you to raise your hand if you think you have even one value differentiator uh, in your firm. And in the whole room, 
may have, may have had five or six hands go up. Interesting. So if you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, either this is ridiculous crap, it's not possible, <laughs> or, or you're an idiot, you think I'm an idiot, why don't I know all this, one or the other. Um, in that room, we, it, it hit on all of us that to some degree, we're still trying to build this commodity and just make this better mousetrap. Right. And if you look at all the true gunning CEOs who have blown it up, mm-hmm. they were looking at that, but then they were also looking at what is my place in the world? What is right. the differentiator? And if you want to nail it, if you're running a company or if you're going to nail it as a marketer, you're trying to find it. It's got to be about that, the combination of that disciplined execution, which is going to get you your high customer service scores and, and employee retention. Yep. Multiplied by whatever it is going to make you unique that can then be splashed clearly and simply in all of our marketing messages. Huh. Then you get alignment. Very powerful stuff for me. Yeah. Now you're aligned. Just a few simple steps. Not really. It's some work to your point, but then you get there. Really hard. It left a lot of us in the room saying we're, we're not stepping back enough. We're not being strategic enough. We're running smart. We're running good companies, but there are people that are out there building better mousetraps. And it's funny. And and if you catch yourself, if you're a marketer or CEO or leadership team member, people often say, well, yeah, you grew because you had a great idea. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Right. So in their room, people, there are people there that, that have grown like weeds and you, you can easily discount it and say, well, of course they grow like a weed. They have this great concept. Why don't you? Yeah. That's the question. Maybe we should have a great concept or maybe we should take our already good concept, tweak it a little bit, or even add a, a fancy, um, unique uh, slogan to it or something. But right. what can we do to make it pop? To make it stand out, right? And not just that strategy piece. Not just settle into the, you know, you don't have to compete. You can just re reinvent everything and create your own, you know, brand new product or service or offering or market, all those kind mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. If you look at it, if you, if you look around, what gets us thinking in that room is when you look around all the things you actually buy. It's because there's something special about that thing that you've right. identified. Um, you know. Yeti's an example of that people use Yetis. Uh, I, I'm a big the cooler. Yeti. Yeah, the cooler, yeah. the cups. Yeah, yeah. If you, don't buy, if you don't have a Yeti, by the way, you listen to this. That should be the only takeaway you get from this. <laughs> the only takeaway. Go buy, go Yeti. buy a Yeti cooler. Yeah. So this is the example of a company that actually has has maxed out uh, product product phenomenal. With there actually is no unique to Yeti. Here's the interesting about Yeti, other than they charge you a gazillion dollars for everything they sell you. Uh, here's so here's. This is, this is my advertising for Yeti. This is the whole purpose of this whole thing. So I'm in a car. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I, don't think, I know we're almost out of time. And I didn't get to talk about my personal stuff. But one of the things I do is uh, I race sailboats. So yeah. I'm in a car this past weekend. Uh, this example, product differentiation. So I'm in a car. It's 90 degrees outside. Beautiful yeah. day. I got a, and I got a black Jeep, okay, with black yeah. seat, okay? So, and it's closed. I got a Yeti cup that I uh, put in my thing, had some Gatorade, had a bunch of ice in it. Oh, the cup. Okay. No lid, okay, just the, the stainless steel cup. Put the sucker in the center dashboard. I, I had the, uh, the roof panels off, okay? No shade. So the sun is like beating into my black on black car. I can't even sit on the seats. So I came back in after sailing about five hours later. Sat in my car, picked up the Yeti. There are still ice cubes floating in the cup. <laughs> 
Seriously. Not kidding. So the point is about that story is that if you're going to say, because all Yeti can say is we, we keep your stuff cold, right? Well, yeah. so does Thermos and everybody else in the world, right? Nalgene. Yeah. No. Yeti says, put our ice cubes in a hot car and let them sit there all day. Yeah. That's what you're buying if you buy us. So that's an example of if your differentiator is something that's a commoditized offering, then you better have some measurement that shows that it's phenomenal. Yeti Rambler, 30 ounces, 34 bucks on Amazon Prime. Ba-boom. Exactly. And who gave it to me? A client, for the record. And I've bought multiple since then, but a client gave it to me. Thank you to my client. Um, now but, that I'm staring at it, it looks like a good thank you gift for sure. I bought a customized client and a customized cup. I, I, oh, I have two customized uh, Yeti cups from clients, actually. Um, huh. But, uh, you know, people say, why would I ever spend $350 in a cooler? That's the perfect example, by the way, of value differentiation. Yeah. Why would you ever spend $350 in a cooler? Because it keeps your stuff cool. So imagine <laughs> that. So what's the commodity? I mean, Yeti basically says, all right, well, we don't have the unique because we want to make coolers. But what if the unique is actually your stuff stays cold? What if that, that is actually works. the unique? Yeah. That actually works. Yeah. And then here's the funny thing. I'm sure that Thermos thought, well, we can't charge $130 for a cooler. Well, you can if it keeps stuff cold. Yeah, it has a you USB port. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's an example of you can charge whatever the heck you want as long right. as you can provide measurable value. Right. Measurable value is worth a fortune. So don't tell yourself if you're listening to this, well, I'm a commodity, I'm only worth this. Right. Well, what if that's your commodity, but what if you either did that to a measurable degree of excellence that you can yes. splash on your website for marketing? Or if you have some other tweak you can do to it that now you're not a commodity anymore. The base is a commodity, yeah. but now you have something on top of it that makes it phenomenal. And yet he's oh. done that. Jeez. Who are you, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> We've worked together for a while. Yeah. You, you have all this experience, and I know it's always yeah. fascinating to sort of dive into that. You know? Sure. Like, take so, us back to little Eric days or, or wherever you want to go, but how did you become the CEO of, you know, several companies and coach and you know guru so, yoda yeah. so that's a great question um we, you know i've given that thought especially when i was in, i'm 47 47 years old now i got two kids i got an 11 year old son and a nine-year-old daughter yeah um and uh, uh, a wife very happily married for um 15 years now so yeah, I've given that some thought, and I'm 47 now, but especially was in my 30s and late 20s and even mid-30s, uh, you start to question yourself, and, you know, one of my things I strongly believe in is you got to find your why in life mm. as soon as possible. Um, like your personal why. Your personal why. Yeah. Your business why is also crucial, like crucial business why. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in that. Um, but you got to have your personal why, because uh, otherwise you can get depressed and be unhappy and be aimless and do all kinds of stuff and just never be happy um, and chase all kinds of stuff that may not may make you temporarily happy, but not long term. So sure. I kind of went through this little crisis my, on my own, you know, probably actually more like 20 years ago, my late yeah. 20s probably. And I started to realize some patterns in my life about who I was. And mm. I, I started to learn, number one, I started looking at the pattern that on both sides of my family, on my parents' side, my mother's side, my, and my father's side, uh, all entrepreneurs three generations uh, oh. back. Uh, nobody oh. who worked for anybody else. Nobody. Oh. Nobody. No descendants. 
Um, and I thought about that because I started to realize, you know, who I really am you know, at first, other than being a dad is, uh, and a husband, is uh, that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I absolutely love entrepreneurship. Um, I'm one of the few um, people in the EOS, actually, that still runs a business. There are a few of us. Um, and uh, um, I, EOS always smartly tells us to burn our, our bridges, burn our boats, you know, get rid of the, of the companies that you run because you can't focus on being an entrepreneur and being an implementer. And they're right, you know, for most implementers out there, I strongly advise that, frankly. But frankly, if I was to burn a boat, I'd burn EOS. I wouldn't burn my <laughs> Exactly. Because when you said that, I'm thinking, you know, also an <laughs> entrepreneur, I'm like, why would you not have another business, EOS? Yeah. Like, who it's, are you it's, hiring? It's challenging. It's yeah. challenging to have both. And it's been hard. But for me, that's, true. that's just who I am. You know, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I love it. All sizes. Uh, couple hundred thousand dollar companies, uh, half a billion dollar companies. Um, I love it. I love leadership teams. Um, you know, I've had, uh, I just love it. So I, I do that. Uh, and that's really who I am. And then my actual why in life is nothing to do with entrepreneurship is my, my why is to help people. Mm. That's what I like. Um, I enjoy it. And that's what gives me, to me, the two things that give me uh, greatest satisfaction personally, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, unlike everybody else, I like to buy stuff, like to eat too much, and probably drink too much too. But that's all short-term stuff. But the long-time mm -hmm. term stuff that sustains me are helping people on a helping people out and helping them move the needle. I don't need dramatic, but it just needs yeah. to be a little bit today that I move the needle a little bit. And then the second thing that that, that gives me, you know, is part of my inner being is challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge believer in challenge. Uh, it doesn't need to be hundred percent thrill seeking stuff, but right. I need to feel like I'm accomplishing things, uh, that are keeping me challenged. Right. So my life is largely set up on, on those things. You know, what's it translate into? Um, I, I run a bunch of marathons. I do Ironman triathlons, um, do sailboat racing. Um, you know, uh, skiing, my kids are I suppose, ski racers. So, you know, I do all this fun stuff. But really, most of my life comes down to, to, um, to things that are challenging, which I really love, yeah. and um, working with entrepreneurs and trying to help them uh, where and when I can. Um, and if I'm doing spending my day uh, getting challenged, uh, feeling challenged, working with entrepreneurs to spend time with my family, that's a phenomenal day for me. I can see how reducing it down to the core elements can really help get rid of distraction and you know, I know even with businesses, the why, you're supposed to be able to ask it a question. Hey, should we remove the olives from this salad on the airplane food? If you're Southwest, the answer in your low-cost airline, the answer is yes. You know, um, if you're wise to help people and to challenge yourself, you know, if something comes up and it's like, hey, you know, you have the option of, you know, doing this call with an entrepreneur or helping somebody out here or going and getting a bunch of drinks and getting shots and stuff. Not you like got that internal compass to say, let's go do this thing, or or in my in my head I'm thinking combine the two, but um, but for yeah. sure you know, you're you're able to not get as as misguided or get off the path if you will, and get distracted on things that won't make you happy. You got it. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that's that that guide has been very important to me and has been very helpful for me because um, you're gonna have times in, in life everybody when you know, relative to wherever you are, where you're going to make 
a lot of money to what you think is a lot of money. You're going to have time, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're an executive and you're well-employed and then you're not just like an entrepreneur, you're making a lot of money, then you're not, uh, or you have a really tough time and then you're not, uh, or you're in marketing and then you change your career. Like a lot of executives I deal with, yeah. um, everybody in life has ups and downs. And you know, for me, it's, I'm the same. I, I downs tend to be pretty epic. Uh, mm. and my ups are kind of the same, but the, to me, the guiding light is I just got to wake up every day and, and, and try and live those things. And, right. um, and that's how I keep smiling. So, yeah, I, you know, everyone's on that roller coaster, right? You know, I, it's not just me. It's not just you. Everyone's on, you got the ups, you got the downs, but if, if you know that there is, um, you know, certain things you're trying to accomplish, even in that day, maybe you can, you can turn that even that day around because you can reach out and try to do one of those things on your list. Uh, I think one of the core values you shared with me in the past of your company was it uh, something like enjoy the journey, something like that? Does this enjoy tie the ride. In? Enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the ride. Our our my company values um, are really this, they're just my they're you know they're my values yeah. really. Um, they become the company's value, which is actually a good thing if you if you are in the audience and, and somebody runs a company. I do a lot of values exercise or help people create values. Yeah. But ultimately, a good litmus test is if, if you're the CEO or the visionary or certainly the leadership team, if you look at these values and you think that's who we are, um, you probably have the right one. So for me, our, our company values are work the plan, change your life, uh, write your story and enjoy the ride. Um, and we have whole definitions of what those things mean, but to us, it's, you, you gotta be working a disciplined plan. You gotta be on some kind of structured plan that you know is going to get you to where you want to go. And that's always changing where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be uh, working on changing yourself along the whole journey because as the plan changes, you need to change with it or you're yeah, not going to make it. An improvement, finding the next, yeah. Yeah, that's what change your life is. Write your story is are you living an intentional life? Or mm-hmm. is your, are you going to look back on all this and say you did what you wanted to do? Um, or, and, and if your story sometimes is, is crap, are you, are you living it in a way still that you could be telling it later and say, well, yeah, I had this terrible time, but I was, I, um, I stuck by my values and my beliefs and I survived it and I came out. So that's really important for us. Write your story in a good way and write your story when things are rough and making sure you have, it comes out the right way and then enjoy the ride is, you know, a lot of companies values are have fun or something like that. But, you know, uh, I like having fun too. I like having a lot of fun, but, to me, it's the, the it's a ride. Um, yeah. The entrepreneurial journey, the leadership team journey, or any everybody's journey is just it's a ride, and we gotta it's and rides. You know, they're they're downs and rides. You know, right. You gotta the ride means that we're it's we're at the top and this is fun, but we're gonna go down too. Mm-hmm. And you know, people think, well, I'm, well, I'm gonna go down, so I'm gonna do something else. Well. I don't know that you never get anywhere. If you do that, you got to, sure. you got to weather, you got to, and when you're in the bottom, you got to enjoy it because it's just another, it's just another step towards getting to the top. That's again. true. That's true. You know, that what comes after that, that down on the, on the roller coaster is that up again. After. Yep. So that's, that's, that's who I am. That's what I believe in. And uh, you know, like everybody else, I have some days that are horrible. Sure. Um, and I have some days that are awesome and I just try and stick to those values and, and just get a little bit better and, and uh, stronger every day. And chart that course and enjoy the, enjoy the journey. Exactly. Well, this has been cool, man. I don't know if you know, but just time just sort of magically flies by. 
Like we're in it a was fun. time machine. I always enjoy talking to you. you can find <laughs> this format too. Well, you know, it's funny. If we didn't all have hard stops, man, we could be talking till about 6 p.m. And when it come, comes time to edit the podcast, they're going to, oh my God, this is like a terabyte of data. We can't, <laughs> we can't download this. You know, Your editor would love it iTunes can't handle this, Casey. What are you doing? Separate it out into separate episodes. But uh, no, this is good. You know, bite-sized, but um, bite-sized. Hopefully you get into something that's, that's, uh, that's digestible for people to watch. Well, for sure. It, I was going to say bite-sized use still a thousand pages worth of to-dos, right? And like action yeah. items and thoughts. And I mean, we have yeah. the four and I'll, we'll have show notes for everyone too on, on the site. But, you know, the four things of doing marketing right. Um, the value differentiation, the personal why, buying a Yeti tumbler. Like, come on, there's like a thousand things on here. So, you know, I would just, you know, everyone listening, I would encourage you, if you learn something here or there's something that you want someone else to hear, you know, share this episode with them. And that's one of the ways you can then help them. And then also you can learn a bit more yourself by sharing this message or some of the, some of the things that we've talked about today. Just get that in front of someone that you think should hear that. And, uh, and Eric, thanks again, man. Thanks again for coming. My pleasure completely. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great honor. Hey, and last thing, where can people connect with you, learn more about uh, you? LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Okay. Uh, just look at Eric, Eric Cruz on LinkedIn. You'll see me. I'm on there. And Cruz spelled like a work crew. Like, not like... Exactly. C-R-E-W-S, like a work crew. Awesome. We can link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, that is it, man. That is a wrap. Thanks again. All right, buddy. Enjoyed it. Everybody else out there, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We'll catch you all next time.